Good morning and Happy New Year, everyone. As I was writing this, I realized I haven't said it all in the past two weeks. Shame me, right? I mean, seriously. I gotta get better at that. So if you're listening to the podcast, I want you to know that I'd like to make some jokes and the blog is being written in LOL. Just in case, you know, you didn't hear the proper intonations of my voice. Sorry, I'm still new to this whole voice recording thing. I haven't done, I haven't done it consistently for a while. So, it takes a little while. Anyways, we are in the third week of year 2023. I'm certain someone listening to this, or reading this if you're reading the podcast, I mean a blog, needs to laugh right now. Go ahead, laugh at my failures to read properly as I'm going through what I've written. Okay, you can laugh now. Okay. Now, today we are continuing our series about prayer and fasting. When we started off last week, we were talking about the purpose of fasting and just why we are supposed to fast, how important it is to have the right heart when we do so, how it, meant, how it is meant to be a discipline where we give up the desires of our sinful flesh, which keep us from spending time with God in fellowship with Him, and that, there was, and that was the basics of last week. This is the highlight. I highly recommend you go back and listen to last week's episode because it's only five Eight minutes at most, most likely a little longer, shorter than this one, most likely a lot shorter than today. But, anyways, today we're getting into the fun stuff. Today we're talking about some of the spiritual benefits from a fast. If any of you who read this do intermittent fasting and know all the physical studies on the topic, then you know that there have been a lot of studies about the benefits of going on intermittent fasting for a few days. One thing that we will most like to be hearing a lot about today, this time of year, is removing sugar from our diet. Now, this is not a health podcast, but I will tell you that there's been a lot of research on the effects that come from eating refined sugar. And a lot of them show that when you don't have them in your diet, and we remove the disproportionate amount of carbohydrates in our body, there's a lot of health benefits. I've seen a few YouTube videos here and there, but that's not the focus of today's podcast. Today's focus is the spiritual effects of a fast. In scripture, we find a lot of people undergo fasts for they know that they have an effect. Thankfully for this episode, I didn't have to do much homework since my pastor, without knowing so, did part of the scripture research for me. It was on a Wednesday night service, and he was actually covering the same topic. And I realized that I need to do a follow-up for last week's with this week's. Actually, that Wednesday night service became a beginning for this mini-series about fasting. And thanks to, and thanks to him, I was able to write down all the scripture references in my handy-dandy notebook as he mentioned them. So... Without any further ado, I present the spiritual effects of a proper fast. The first of the things is that it brings our hearts closer to God. I said this last week, but I'm repeating it again here because it's such an important thing to be understood. Fasting, when we do it for the purpose of drawing closer to God, will result in Him answering our request. 
James chapter 4 verse 8 holds one of the most famous verses for telling us this. Here's what the full verse says in chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 4 8, taking James version. Reading this verse, I want you to look at how James, who is also the half-brother of Jesus, links the heart, links to drawing near to God for the cleansing of our being. Through this, he shows how when we draw close to God, we realize the need for our redemption, and each person who truly seeks him will come to a point of understanding their need. It just looks different from each person, different roads, different people, different methods. Some people are like me, and I grew up in church and understood at a young age the need for salvation. I was four years old, a few months before turning five, I said the prayer to be a Christian beneath the window of my bedroom. But for other people, it will be a long road of struggling with things in their life. And sometimes people come to the point of realizing that they need to give something up in their life, and they refuse. Can't change it, but God has the power to protect them as they go through worse things. And they go through worse things for the point of purpose so they, they can have one more chance to accept Him. That's the reason why He protects them as they go through hard times. Every time He protects them, He spares them from death. It's the purpose of a second chance, another chance where they're able to just realize their need for Him. And that comes to the other point that he needs to talk about it's that when we fast, God will move to bring about change. My pastor explains this aspect of fasting by stating that God is the sovereign king who decides what is to happen. But when we as Christians pray in faith that he will hear us and will move to answer our prayers, the heart of God is touched. He is touched because we have become like little children that come to him boldly, asking our Father to do something for us. Sometimes the answer will be no, because what he has decided was to be done will not be changed. In those times, God is a comforter, growing a trust in him, that he is the purpose for the actions taken. If you read 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 22-23, it records that David fasted when the son who had been conceived from his affair with Bathsheba got sick. But when the child died, David accepted the Lord's chastisement on his sin, and was heartbroken. I don't fully understand that at times. I know that God is just in his decision, even when we don't understand how. I don't want you to think that I'm detached, because it's very easy to do that. You're able to make others seem detached by giving a theological answer, but that just makes people feel like you're someone who doesn't care. Theologically, you know that the child went to heaven because he was still an infant. So there's hope in that. David understood this. That's why he wasn't angry with the Lord, but rather sorrowful of what had happened as a result of his sin. However, sometimes the answer from God is yes, like it was for the city of Nineveh when God sent Jonah to warn them. They prayed and fasted the entire city. Not even a single animal in the city was allowed to do work, and they begged for mercy from the God of Israel, a plea that was heard and granted by God as they turned away from their sin for a time. 
third thing, which is sort of a subcategory of the second object I brought up, is that sometimes through a fast, we are empowered to bring about change. I have a couple of examples that I want to talk about, but first, one thing I want to say is that there are going to be times when we simply pray and fast for a while, trusting that God will move for us. But other times, it's for the purpose of strengthening us to make the move in faith that He will answer in accordance to His power. One of my examples is from the New Testament, two of them from the Old. Wait a minute, I got that backwards. One of them is from the Old Testament, and two of them are from the New Testament. The one from the Old Testament is about Esther. She was the queen of Persia, the wife of King, I hope I get this right, Ahasuerus. Yeah, I tried saying that several times before recording this, and even now I doubt it got right. And he had ordered for the Jewish people to be killed, for all of them. Under the laws of the day, none could approach the king without being called forth by him and lived unless he extended his golden scepter for them. When Esther heard from her uncle Mordecai that the king, under the influence of Haman, had declared such an act, she told her uncle to gather together all of her people in the city and up and their province to fast for three days while she and her handmaidens then did the same. Then she was to approach the king. In Esther chapter 4 verse 16, we get the full statement. We get the full set of orders that I've just paraphrased. But at the end of it, she says, if I perish, I perish. And that's what she says after approaching the king. This shows her trust that God will see and answer her plea and the pleas of those who are praying on Esther's behalf before she approached, before she approached the king. Through her faith, the trust she had that God would answer her faithfulness in seeking him for the request for the king's favor, was granted and her people were authorized to defend themselves against any who would attempt to kill them. In the New Testament, we see it recorded that the disciples of Jesus were unable to cast out a demon of the boy, and so the boy's father went to Jesus directly, saying that they couldn't cast it out. Jesus delivers the boy from the demon, and then in private, when the disciples ask him why they were unable to cast it out, like they had with so many other demons in the past, Jesus will then tell them that this one was of a type that could only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Some of our problems is where you find that account. Some of our problems in life are strongholds that can only be conquered through dedicated prayer, bringing it before the Lord continually. The second example that I have is from when the Holy Spirit was empowered on them on the day of Pentecost. Reading chapter 1 of the book of Acts, we see that they were told to remain in Jerusalem until they had received power from the Holy Spirit, which he gave them as they ascended to heaven. He had given them the Spirit, but the Spirit hadn't come active yet. Then in chapter 2, we see that they were gathered together, and it can easily be inferred that they gathered together on a regular basis to seek God and praise Him, eagerly waiting for the promised empowerment. There's an acronym they want to share. It's P-U-S-H, or Pray Until Something Happens. It's a principle that we've seen demonstrated in the entirety of the Bible. If you read any of the New Testament letters that were written by Paul, he often says at some point in his letters 
Sometimes it's at the start, sometimes it's at the final part, when he's doing his final greetings and commands to the people. But he's always saying, pray for him. Pray for the other people. Pray for the people in this province, that province. Pray for each other. Pray for him to have the wisdom when he speaks, his, when he speaks and when he opens his mouth, to have the words that come from God. When you read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, we see that prayer is provided as an essential part of spiritual warfare. Now, as a result of drawing near to God, we become empowered to resist the temptations, which come from the desires of our sinful flesh and withstand the direct attacks of the enemy. The push principle applies to all principles of fasting, but relies on our faith, the trust that we have in God. One of the things that we often trust God to give is guidance. And that's something we receive as a result of seeking His diligently. And I'm willing to bet this is one of the most prolific reasons for people to fast. It's one of the early teachings which people receive about fasting in the church. There's something that they don't understand. If there's ever something you don't understand, they're told to go to God to seek His guidance. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3 and 4, See that King Jehoshaphat of Judah is facing an invasion from Moab, Ammon, and many other kingdoms. In his despair, he pursues the will of God and the guidance, gathering all of Judah with them in the temple of the Lord. And in verse 15, the Lord, through the descendant of a Levite, provides guidance after Jehoshaphat has expressed with sincerity in his time of need. It was in November of 2021. Sorry, I just want to say that I've got a testimony about this I want to share. It was in November of 2021, and I was starting to approach a crossroads with a couple of choices. One, stay where I was, trusting God would take care of me. I could move out of state to be on my own. I could go into a program for ministerial training, still living with my family, or continue writing my blog. My family ended up getting the plague in the late December, right around Christmas. And you know what plague I'm talking about. I'm just not saying the word because I don't want to get censored on the internet. But anyways, we got the plague right around December and I was forced to stay home from work. During that time, I had decided to leave my employer since the protocols were getting more coercive and making it harder for people who didn't want to take the jab. I was still uneasy in my spirit if that was the right decision. So I spent the time in prayer asking for guidance. God answered me through a dream, showing me trampling serpents and scorpions. I also walked through spider webs unhindered as I moved forward. That dream was a reminder of the verse found in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. When the seventy whom Jesus sent out have returned from doing their many works, preaching people, Jesus and preaching to people, Jesus also told them that he would provide them protection as they carried out his work to them. One of the most famous, the way he said it was, they'd be able to trample on serpents and scorpions without being killed by them, without being hurt. And if you read in Acts about what happened to Paul when he got stranded on Malta, the serpent bit him, but didn't kill him. And through the dream that God gave me, Jesus was telling me that he would be with me, and that I was acting in accordance to his will as I chose to leave, to move out where I'm living now. 
covered merely just four things, and I'm guessing we're at maybe, I'm just checking the recording now, we're at roughly 16 minutes, and I can certainly, if I want to dig deeper in scripture, find so many more things about prayer and fasting and the things that come from it, especially when we are focused on coming closer to God. And these things don't exhaust what's been written about. There's supernatural provision. People have been healed. There's been the receiving of prophecy. There's been the receiving of God's raised person from the dead, as we've read in the scriptures. And certain that there are many more things they haven't even thought of that people have seen possible through scripture. But as I was writing this, I felt led to finish with a warning. Using the account of Simon the Sorcerer in the Book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9 through 24. So here's the paraphrase. In Samaria, a man named Simon lived. Sorry, let's try that again. In Samaria, a man named Simon had once been a sorcerer doing great things through the demonic powers that he got through his sorcery. But when Philip came to Samaria and started preaching and doing miracles, he converted. Peter and John were sent down to lay hands on the people that they may receive the Holy Spirit to also continue the ministry. Simon thought he could buy this power from them. Peter rebuked the man with his, for his heart was in the wrong place and warned him of what would happen if he didn't correct this issue. When you fast, I want to say, don't let your focus change from pursuing God to a deeper level than you are now, seeing the miracles be done and receiving from him power which is what happened to Simon. Keep your focus on God as you fast, knowing that he will do as he wills, and that you will be part of it, along for the ride, ready to praise God as it happens. Till then, take courage, and God bless.